Welcome to the podcast entitled Last Ones at the Bar. We're here to talk about all of the important affairs this week in the sport of boxing. My name is Wilton Henry, and I'm joined by Lavelle Jackson. Danny is going to be out this week. So today, to get started, Lavelle, yesterday you had the Showtime um, boxing card. That had a, it was a pretty good event based on what I saw. What did you think about the overall event yesterday? Yeah, I like the overall event. I thought all three fights, there were three fights on the car, and they all gave you something, you know. And even if you wasn't a fan, you were, at the very least, you were entertained. And, and each fight told a story, which was, which was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good event. Um, you know, speaking of that, how about we go ahead and get started with that Jamel Charlo versus Brian Castagna fight? Um, what did you think about Jamel and uh, Brian's performance performances yesterday? Wow. Now, now, I did like this fight. It was a good fight. Um, so we got Jamel Charlo uh, went against Brian Castagno. This is for the, the uh, for all four belts, which is the WBA, WBC, IBF, and WBO light middleweight championship. Um, it was marketed as a historic uh, unification bout, which it was, uh, and they were marketing it as history will be made on on this day, which is interesting because history was not made. If you saw this fight, it ended up in a, a split draw, um, and uh, one card was 114-114. Another card was, I believe, uh, one. 15-113 for Brian Castaño. I could be wrong with that one. But there was a, a card that caught my eye, which was 117-111 uh, for uh, Jermail Charlo. And, you know, a lot of people were talking about decision, whether they agree with it or not. I thought it was beside the point, personally, because it was an entertaining fight, and both guys did things that, you know, they were. you could tell that they wanted it, even if, they, even if some of the things they were doing was, was flawed. So Jamel Charlo came in this fight 34 and 1, 18 knockouts, uh, 5 foot 11 with a 73 inch reach. I mean, he has a, a host of names on his resume uh, with wins over Gabe Rosado, uh, Vanus Martisonian, uh, Austin Trout, uh, Jason Rosario, which he just fought. And he has that uh, those two fights with Tony Harrison, which was split. Uh, the first fight, uh, it was a close loss where to, to Harrison, where a lot of people thought that Charlo won, and then he avenged that loss with a, a, knock, a late knockout to him. And he's going against Brian Castaño, seventeen and, and zero with and one draw, which was to Arislandi Law. It was a pretty uh, good fight, which he really got on my radar. Um, he's five foot seven with a sixty-eight inch reach. Now, yeah, this fight was a was a pretty good fight. I thought uh, Charlo. Uh, was winning a lot. He he, what he was doing. He was more tentative. I think he a lot of rounds was cl was close. But the first half of these fight, I think the first half of this fight, I think Castano was still in rounds with with his quick burst. Castano caught uh, Charlo early. I believe it was the uh, I, believe, I believe it was the second round. Um, one of the one of the early rounds, he caught uh, Charlo, and Charlo seemed to be vis visibly hurt. You know, and from that point on until the uh, probably the mid to late fight, um, Charlo fought very cautiously. He threw, you know, he threw jabs. They would, he would get the, you know, Castano into exchanges, 
but when Castaño stepped it up, he was, I believe Castaño was winning those exchanges. His volume was, was very much bothering uh, Charlo. Um, but Charlo did step on the gas, I think, around, I think around eight or around nine, where I thought I, I had a win in round nine through uh, 12. I actually scored this, this fight 114-114. You know what? I could actually see Charlo winning this fight by a point because, you know, there were some, some rounds that, you know, I gave to Castaño that maybe I could have gave to Charlo. I just can't – I can't see a case where uh, Charlo won, beat Castaño 9-3. And, of course, Charlo was saying after the fight, you know, I hurt him more times than I hurt – than he hurt me. Um, while that could be true, you know, um, Charlo didn't really really step on the gas to, like, the, the, the ninth round when uh, Ronnie – but Ronnie Shields was basically telling them, not Ronnie Shields, I'm sorry. Uh, Derek James is basically telling them, like, look, man, you're gonna have to step it up. And many times in this, in this fight, Derek James was was telling them, like, look, you, you might need a knockout. You know, Charlo was like shocked, you know. And I don't know what fight Charlo thought he was in, but I think Castaño was work out working him, you know, most of the time. Uh, and and I, I like from Castaño that, you know, he, he was using educated pressure. He wasn't just coming in, you know, wow, he was using his jab, you know. Uh, his defense was, was on point with the high guard. It's just that Charlo was so, so athletic that sometimes he was breaking through. But at the same time, he, you know, Charlo was hitting Castaño gloves a lot, you know, and, and, and Castaño was really bullying Charlo to the ropes. And, and it's hard to – I've never seen Charlo, Jamel Charlo, really get backed up like that, where, where Castaño was really backing him up up until maybe the last few rounds. But I thought it was a good fight. It, it was interesting to, 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 that Charlo thought he won the fight, even before the scorecard was announced that, you know, it, you had the Sam Watson running up. You know, I saw I noticed that Sam Watson went up to Charlo right before the scorecard and said, oh, yeah, you know, Brian Castagna won a couple rounds. You know? <laughs> and I thought that was kind of interesting. But, you know, and that's why guys fight the fights on paper. Uh, outside of us, you know, we, we, our predictions for this fight, I think Castaño, uh, his props, but he earned it tonight. You know, uh, we've seen Castaño, we know he's capable of, but a lot of people didn't. They just thought that, you know, he was just this pressure fighter that was just going to come forward. But he's educated. He has a nice amateur background. Um, he does things with a purpose. He has, he showed his IQ tonight. And I, and and some many points in this fight, you know, Charlo seemed, you know, lost as far as IQ. <laughs> you know, he didn't really understand what Castaño was doing to him. And it took Charlo a long time to really figure him out like that. So, you know, we'll see what, what, what happens from here. So what did you think, uh, Will? Yeah, I thought it was an excellent fight. Um, I'm not really going to break the fight down too much just based on what you said. You pretty much um, – cover most of the points that I would have made as far as what happened um, during the fight. Very uh, close fight, but at the same time, you could have had like some different type of scores. Now that one, was it 117, 113? 117, 111. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you could have had that for Charlo. Now I could have, I could have uh, understood if you gave Castaño the victory with that wide margin, but you would have to given him all of the close rounds. And then some of the rounds where he got hurt, 
they couldn't have been um, considered 10-8 rounds. I, I gave Charlo a 10-8 round in the 10th. Uh, my scorecard, I had it 114-113 Castaño. But like I said, I gave him a um, two points because he hurt Castaño bad in that round. I didn't give him a 10-8 in the – I believe that was the second when he caught him with a with a left, and he, he kind of um, buckled Castaño knees. But I thought Castaño was winning the round up until that point. Um, so, again, I had seven rounds for Castaño, and I had a four rounds for uh, Charlo. I think one of the rounds I may have had even. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a really, really, really good fight. Um, it's interesting – because when I was looking at it, and like you said, Castaño puts on like that pressure, but it's a way that he goes about doing it that's kind of unique. And going into this fight, you also mentioned this as well, is that, you know, a lot of people, I know I made some posts on um, some of the social media websites and things like that. And a lot of times what people are saying is like, you think this is going to be a close fight? Like Castaño, who is he beating? And um, like some of the, even when I posted something as far as videos, like they were looking at the opponent's that was in those clips but it was just to show his style not necessarily the opponent but just what he brought to the table and sometimes on social media you can't show certain things because it's different like you can't like the zone i can't post anything from the zone because it'll get flagged so anyway uh saying all that to say just looking at castaño's um amateur background looking at his fight style, um, the fact that he said that he hadn't lost. Now, I don't know how true that is, but I don't know if he was referring to the amateurs as well. But the level of opposition that he faced in the amateurs and beat and was really kind of destroying the competition at that particular time. And then just based on what I've seen from him in the pros, not that he's been fighting the best opponents, it's just the fact of how he goes about doing it and you can see the confidence and his understanding of range. And, you know, he's one of those guys who's short in stature, but at the same time, he punches like really effectively without having to like bend down. It's like that stance that he has, he's landing some really solid shots and his time is timing is impeccable. Like sometimes when he's throwing those shots, it's hard to be prepared for it because he doesn't have to like, show you that he's going to punch like sometimes you can kind of time a guy you can see like it the way he twitch or something like that it just comes bam so he was hitting charlo with some of those shots now what was having him um and i commend uh Castaño because when he took that shot in the second and he got wobbled he didn't like he played it safe for a while you know he got himself together he got his composure you know he kept his composure but the way he went about um like regathering himself and then fighting the making a fight a fight that was more you know conducive to what he wanted to do he, he made sure that the fight was fought you know um at his pace and then also when he wanted to make the exchanges and things like that that's when he went about doing it and it was like he was fighting his fight and charlo wasn't fighting his fight as much again i knew this was going to be tough for charlo also because of the fact that he never fought anybody like that before as well you know and then also um some of the things that um i just mentioned before but yeah it, it was a really good fight man um it's you know you hate to see the 117 111 
but um, also towards the end of the fight, I text you. Remember, I, I was saying, like, you know, Castanio, I think he's getting fatigued because I could see it in the eighth round a little bit towards the end. But then I knew something wasn't right when he asked his corner. He's like, what round is it? I was like, uh-oh, you know, probably <laughs> step this up. Then, you know, he might be able to get him out of there. But, again, he kept his composure even when he got rocked. You know, he came back and he was still fighting effectively. Um, but it's hard to time that rhythm and then that volume, you know, um, against a guy like Castanio. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, it was a really good fight. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully, you know, they'll do it again. You got anything else you want to talk about? I mean, you want to share as far as the fight is concerned? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you brought this up, you know, that made me th- really think about it is that. A lot of people were, were picking Charlo to, you know, stop Castanio. And a lot of that was based off the guys he'd been stopping. And, yeah, his power is for real. We, we, we don't deny that. We see it in the – we even saw it in the second half this fight. But, you know, a lot of guys he's clipped, a lot of great fighters like Erickson Lubin, you know, Tony Harrison, uh, those are, are, are pretty top-tier fighters. Rosario, yeah, he's a power puncher and he can, you know, box. But he's known, but he's loud. He's, I think he's a little bit weaker than the two that I just mentioned. Uh, a lot of those guys are, are, are pretty good. Those are pretty good knockout wins for Charlo. Uh, either these guys been stopped before or they got stopped after. And, and even Erickson Lubin, who Charlo is the only guy that st- stopped him up to this point, while I'm a big fan of Lubin and, and think he's great, you know, sometimes he still looks a little, his chin looks a little shaky. So, Castanio is probably one of the few guys that Charlo has fought. Um, that that I, I he doesn't get hurt a lot. He, he's known to have a a decent chin. So uh, I'm just curious to see what where we go forward. Well, let me let me add another thing in there too, Val. Um, yeah, that's I, I was um, I did text that to you, but you know, Jamel has some power. Like he, he he really does. It's just like yesterday, he just couldn't get Castanio out of there because he had him hurt and shook a couple times. Um, so, you know, I, we can't negate his power, but I just didn't think when I looked at it, I was like, okay, so, yeah, he does have all of these, these knockouts, you know, recently. But then I started thinking about, you know, what those guys, um, you know, questions in terms of, you know, their chance. You know what I mean? But I still think he does have pop. And I think another thing that I want to add is that one thing that I I think that hurt him yesterday was the fact that he hadn't fought, like, in 10 months, right? He fought, and not that that's an excuse, but I think that if he had more rhythm and that would have helped him out yesterday because I think he was questioning himself a few times when he would have probably stepped up, up the gas a little bit earlier and he would have had a higher volume against Castanio. He was playing it, you know, I don't know if he didn't want to get tired or if Castanio's rhythm was throwing him off, but I just think that if he was in a groove more in terms of like maybe fighting with like three or four months before this fight, I think that that would have helped him out of the fight as well. But again, it was a really good fight, man. Hopefully we'll get a chance to see it again. Yeah, yeah. So, um, speaking of seeing it again, where do you think these two guys go from here? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that because ideally, 
you know, since it was such a close fight, some people would say controversial. Um, I wouldn't go that route. The only thing controversial is that 117-111. But it's hard to call because, like I said, ideally you would want to see them go ahead and go back at it again. Um, I'm not so sure about that. I think the smart thing for Charlo to do would be to um, probably get another fight in before you go against Castaño. And the reason why I'm saying that is because if they go at it again in maybe three, four, five, six months, I don't know if that's enough time for him to fix some of the things that he would need to fix and study in order to be prepared for Castaño. Because I think Castaño, I think that both would be better in a rematch because they faced each other before. But also, it's certain little tricks. Like, Castaño's a, a better, obviously a better boxer. What's him just more athletic than Castaño, and he's more powerful. But I think that um, Jamel should do, he probably should fight somebody like, even though they don't fight the same, but they are volume type guys. And that's like a Jared Hurd. Jared Hurd is bigger. But I think that you fight somebody like that. But it's hard to find somebody that's going to prep you for Castaño. But I do think he should fight somebody before. Um, I know Lubin has positioned himself to be um, like the top contender or the mandatory for one of his belts. I just don't know if a Lubin fight will help you get prepared for Castaño. But I would like to see him take another fight in between. And then as he takes that fight in between, start working on things that's going to make you more effective against Castaño. Um, as far as Castaño is concerned, yeah, it's hard to say with him as well. You know, maybe take, you know, a, a voluntary defense, a mandatory defense, and, you know, get yourself prepared for Jamil. I hear Tim Zhu, you know, is say he's ready for him. So I think that a fight like that would be good for him just to stay busy, you know, work on a few things. And the other thing with him is that the biggest thing for him is he's, he's good. I can tell that he understands how to make adjustments at the right time based on getting clipped in that second round. But I thought that towards the end of the fight, typically Castaño is the one who gets stronger, but Jamel was the one who had more in the tank towards the end. So start working on some of those things to get that stamina back up there because Jamel is like tank. Like it's going to come a point in a fight. If things are like close and it's questionable, they're going to step that gas up. And if you're not able to handle that, then that's, that's not going to end up well for you. So he's, I would take another fight, um, work on some of those things, mainly, you know, his win, you know, towards the end of the fight, make sure that's on point. And then, you know, run it back. What you think? What you think? Where do you think both guys go from here? Yeah, I think idealistically, you are absolutely correct. Uh, but I think holistically, I think um, they should just go ahead and rematch again, and this is why. Um, yeah, they can rep they can take for the other guys, and that's ideal as far as I'm going to try to beat this guy. But at the same time, it's risky also. And, and, and I can't see you know, Al Heyman, you know, man, we just saw an excellent fight, and it's a, it was a unification bout that ended in a draw. I'm not sure if they want to break them belts up because if, if one of them guys get beat, you know, some of that stuff is going to get broken up or they got to fight someone else. 
where you'll be seeing like uh, a Charlo versus a Tim Zoo. Because <laughs> uh, uh, I think, while well, well, I like your idea, just from a fighter perspective, it's perfect. But from a marketing perspective, I think um, even even putting Charlo in there with Jared Hurd, you know, is risky because Jared Hurd is even though he's vulnerable right now because he can't decide whether he want to be a boxer or what he was, still, Jamel, uh, that's a that's a, a size difference, especially considering that her is now at middleweight. I don't think he's ever going to fight at light middleweight again, I don't think. So I think Charlo, Jamel Charlo will have to take that fight at middleweight. Um, and plus, you know, the, 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 everyone just saw a good fight. The, the, it's already steamed. It can... I can, see, I can see them trying to put it on pay-per-view, too, uh, which I don't agree with, but I can see that. So I, I think both these guys are probably going to rematch each other uh, next. I think they're going to go right into it. I think some of this stuff, I think, can be fixed in training camp, uh, especially considering that they both have seen each other and they both were successful uh, against each other at some at different spots. I think all they really need to do is work on you know certain things uh, Jamel Charlo, I mean, of course, he, I think he kind of, he may even feel very well in the last, you know, couple of rounds. But I think Castaño can turn around simply by, by be, coming in the fight more conditioned and, and fighting at a pace. He, if he can sustain that pace and take that type of punishment for 12 rounds, all, all Castaño had to do was stay on his feet and he, would, he could win his fight, you know. So um, I think it's, a, it's, it's risky to have these guys take – uh, fighters that can, especially the the fighters you mentioned, that to prepare them for the next fight, I think it's it's just a high risk that one of them is going to get beat or come in, you know, not prepare and get beat by a lesser opposition. That's just my personal opinion. You you would you think that her based on what you've seen from him, um, that it's not that it's a likely scenario, but you think what what chance would you give to her to be um, Jamel Charlo at this point in his career. I think before he before his loss to J Rock, I, I I thought it was a fifty fifty fight. Um, I, I think it's more so seventy thirty with for Charlo, but the, you never know when that thirty percent gonna show up, and you never know if her just gonna wake up and and because her also fights to his uh, the level of competition too. You know, a lot of these fights that he's having these close fights and losing to is, is because he's not really stepping it up when he should. But he's always kind of been that way. He's always relied on on his volume. It, but he he had that volume to really bail him out, and he relied on that with, you know, Laura and, and, uh, Tony, and even Tony Harrison. So j- just like Castaño is, for example, Jared in, in a – of Castaño in this in this way that Castaño seemed to, to tire out in the late rounds. Jared Hurd would still be there and probably turn it up. And I think it, I think a fight like that would probably could probably burn Jamel Charlo. Even if he win, it could burn Jamel Charlo out. You know, fighting at Jared Hurd. That's just my opinion. Mm. I hear you. Yeah, um, Castaño. The other thing um, that I was going to mention about him. Um, is yeah he he probably is the way he fights you know it's hard to say like if i look at some of the other 
154 pound fighters like it's it's almost like a 50 50 when you put him like when you match them up like when i look at a tony harrison right like that'd be a tough fight for castanio but i can see castanio beating him but i can also see you know harrison if but you know i can also see harrison uh winning i can also see castanio winning that fight but harrison kind of gets fatigued and you know he's vulnerable too and he's kind of chinny especially once he gets tired and those type of fighters uh, typically give him trouble but other guys like um you know even like a j-rock and and guys like that like that think that those are uh, pretty tough fights with Stein. He matches up well with Jermail, you know. But some of those other guys, I wouldn't um, like if he fought somebody like Tim Zoo, I think that that would be, you know, easy money for him. But it would be also something that he can, you know, work on a few things. Now, as far as his stamina, I didn't see stamina being a problem for him previously. Like, this is the first fight, but this is probably the biggest, strongest guy that he not only had to be physically prepared for it, but he also had to be mentally prepared because once he got caught in that second round, he always had to be cognizant of that left hand. And I saw him make the adjustment. Also, what, as far as Charlo is concerned, he was worried about that right hand because I think that was the third round when he got caught on the ropes. And so he was worried about that also. In that fight, man, um, another thing that I noticed is that those guys, and th these are things that they'll be working on in preparation for each other in the future, is like little small things like thanks and things like that. I didn't see any of that in a fight because each guy was so worried about what the other guy did to him, you know, and they just found like a certain agreement in terms of how the fight was going to be fought for the rest of the fight. Like nobody made like those type of adjustments, like little feints here and there. I thought that would have worked well for Charlo if he would have just fainted a little bit or if he would have just kept fighting, like, throwing punches as opposed to being worried the fact that he had the high guard up and so he wasn't throwing shots. Just still throw in there and, you know, some of that stuff uh, wear out uh, Castanio also, but he didn't do that. But, again, those are some of the things that they're going to be working on in preparation for each other. You got anything else on that uh, fight or where they go from here? No, sir. Now, on that card, we got one of your favorite fighters uh, out right now. Um, we had old Roley Romero. And Roley was fighting against a gentleman named Anthony Yiddick. Um, did you see Roley? And what did you think about Roley's performance? <laughs> yeah, I saw this fight. So you got uh, Rolando Roley Romero. You know, he's 13-0. and 0 with a, He came in this fight 13-0 with 11 knockouts. Uh, five for eight with a 68 reach. Um, he has a win over uh, Jackson Marines that I thought was very uh, controversial. Many thought he lost that fight. Uh, he's going against Anthony. Can you dig it? Gig it, which is 24 and one and one with eight knockouts, uh, five foot seven and a half. Uh, and he has a loss to Iron Durantic where he was stopped. Um, I thought one of the commentators summed it up perfectly. You know, Romero, but he's not really a power puncher. And yeah, he has power, but the way he's fighting, he's fighting like he's Tank Davis. You know, he, he hits hard, but he's not like he's, he's, he's acting like he's Prince Nassim or something, or he's Julian Jackson. Like he hits dudes and, and they just drop. 
And honestly, I, I do think he's he's kind of a he's a front runner. He's an ultimate front runner. Uh, I thought it was a kind of a dirty fight for him, even though I, I was impressed with how he ended it. But you know, a guy that's that's of course you know, uh, it was was um, was a short notice opponent, and he was came in bigger. But at the same time, he only has eight knockouts, so Romero didn't seem to be really in danger, even though he was getting caught at, at times. I thought. Uh, DJ was doing a, a good job at first, not not really just winning rounds, but he was, you know, giving Romero, you know, things to think about from a, a boxing standpoint. But I thought that 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 Romero, you know, uh, he, he's kind of awkward and he's winning off the activity and effectiveness, even though he was throwing one punch at a time. Uh, and DJ was looking, you know, uh, more wary of, of Romero. So I think Romero was, was very, very dirty in this fight. I qualified in his career, you know, um, especially with him. The elbow, I think he, this is one of the fights I saw. Uh, one of the, I think the elbows, he probably had more knockouts from the elbows than he did from actual punches. Like some of these elbows are just like ridiculous, you know. And, 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 and it, and it, I, I felt bad for Romero at one point, even though, you know, of course we, we jump on him, but I th- but it's only, it's his fault. I think his dirtiness, it, it, it kind of messed up how effective he actually was doing that. He, he does have, you know, a decent right hand, but he only throws it once at a time. And he puts everything in it. So like I said, he's a front runner, you know, and time will tell with him, you know, we're going to see what's going to happen in his career. And and we can you can write this down right now that we said this, Rolando Rodi Romero is a front runner, <laughs> and he's gonna get found out. Yeah, this this fight right here, I was more impressed with Rodi in this fight than I have been um, in the other fights that I've seen him in. But you know, you also have to factor in that Yigit hadn't fought in over two years, and so um, much of the fight. He looked off balance, and I think that came from the inactivity um, that he had coming into this fight. Um, Romero, he always has that scrawl on his face, you know. If you don't, before he enters the, the ring, you just you'll think you'll look and you'll be like, man, you know, you'll think that you're gonna look at a Hall of Fame type caliber fighter, you know, just based on how he conducts himself and the stuff that he says and. You know, just how he carries himself entering to the ring, even inside the ring. Like you said, he throws all of those big, huge winging shots. He makes that little noise uh, when he throws <laughs> each, you know, almost every time he throws. But he doesn't throw that often because every shot, you know, has mean intentions on him. Now, I will give him props. Like I said, he looked better in this fight than I've seen him in the past. And I've seen some other things that, he does and like some natural attributes that he has like R- roly is strong like he's a really strong he's strong and as an ox you know and i think that he has some serious power in both hands but he leaves himself so wide open that you get in the first round and maybe a little bit in the second round he just didn't have any power either like he couldn't really do anything and i've also forgot to mention that you get <laughs> How you come into a fight five pounds over the weight limit? You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just crazy. But um, he had some success early. I gave Roley. How did you score, Bill? You said you were scoring a fight. Like, yeah. 
I, I gave Roley just about every round, even the one that uh, where he he lost a point. I scored at a nine eight round for uh, Romero. Yeah, uh, because he because of the, the the knockdown, you know. Yeah, yes, I, and I was gonna get to that. So, um, I had that as well. You know what I mean? So the first couple rounds were close, but it's just like Roley. Like the first round, he knocked him off balance a few times, so I had to give him credit for that. And then he landed the big right hand in the second. And like I said, by the third round, I, I noticed that Yiga just his balance seemed to be off. And then Romero, I thought he clearly won the fourth. And then Yigit was having some sets in the fifth, but at the end he got caught, you know, with that long, powerful right hand that put him down. He was really visibly hurt, you know, as well. Um, so yeah, a good win for Roley. He really, I mean, then also you got to factor in that Yigit was a last-minute replacement. You know, he was going from about to fight somebody who is a little bit more powerful. And I think that he fought out of the other stand. So, you know, you have to give the kid credit for that. You know, he's calling out some big names. You know what I mean? He's he's really flamboyant. So he's going to draw the attention of people. He's going to be one of those guys like a heel. You know what I mean? Like people are not going to like really, but they definitely will tune in to see somebody uh, shut his mouth. But anything else you got on the young fella? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but for Yigit, I thought um... – yeah, he came came in five pounds overweight. I, I think I heard that he was he was supposed to be in a, in a, a hundred and forty pound fight, and when he got moved over to this fight, you find out he had to lose five pounds and he wouldn't do it. I don't I don't know what's the story behind that, but that's that's I, I think that's what was heard, that's what was said about him. As for Roley, I think I think you are on to something. He's on to something as far as being that heel, you know. Uh, I think he relished off of it. And, it's a marketing strategy that's going to get him where he needs to be. Like he played, I think a lot of guys, and I'm glad you said that. I think a lot of a lot of boxers they end up the heel, but down they really want to be the heel. I think they want to be light, like Charlo brothers. I think they really deep down they want to be light, even though people don't like them. Even a Floyd Mayweather, why he relished off of people not liking him because they gave him money. I think deep down he wanted to be liked and respected. I think Roley just don't care. He wants to be booed. He's like a, a Ricardo, a Ricardo Mayorga, where he just doesn't care. He wants you to boo him. He wants to. He'll be that bad guy, and I think he'll even do things during the fight just to play the, the bad guy. Like he won't play fair. So I do think he he's somebody who really wants to be that bad guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the interesting thing I, I've seen him in the Mayweather gym, and. He's kind of like the young guys now who like troll and stuff like that. And now some of it, he really has that arrogance and he, he thinks he really is that good. And I can't knock a young man for being confident in himself, you know. But I just think he goes overboard with it because I saw him um, talking with Tiafimo Lopez. They were interviewing Roley, but they were saying, asking who could beat Tiafimo Lopez. And he was talking about how he does, he's the only one that could do it. Now, Tiafimo was playing along with him. Like, yeah, I think he's the only one. But they play along with him, you know, <laughs> knowing what really his skill level is. But, like I said, he still has some good attributes, man. Like, if if he – I don't know. He don't seem like the type that's going to really work on some of those things until he has to um, as far as, like, those wide-winking shots. I just think that that's something that he does. Um, and you think that that's – 
what's going to, you know, knock everybody out. And he wants to touch somebody that's going to be over. Um, but, you know, as far as, like you say, he, he, he's really um, relishing in that role. Um, so it'd be interesting to see where he goes from here. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And, and speaking of that, where, where do you think he goes from here? You know, what, what, what's next on his agenda? Well, I think, you know, and I, I mentioned this to you before, I think what they're doing is they're grooming him and prepping him to be an opponent for Tank because they let the cat out the bag where they said that Tank is really only going to fight other guys who are with PBC. And with that image that Riley has and his persona of, you know, warning everybody, he's called out Ryan Garcia. He's called – I've seen them inspiring together. He spars against Teofimo Lopez. The only guy I don't see him facing would be Teofimo because it seems like they have a really – close relationship but i think they will fight if, if they had to you know what i mean if, if the money was right um but they seem like that they're really cool with one another but i could see him facing um possibly devin haney i can see him possibly facing ryan garcia but i think who they're prepping him to face is to be an opponent for tank davis and i think that <laughs> mayweather and pbc that would be right up their alley to have somebody who's going to talk as crazy as Roly Romero. And that's going to generate so much revenue and interest in a fight. Tank could fight pretty much anybody right now because Tank is to the point where people just want to see him knock somebody out. The guys he's faced so far, they haven't really been guys who talk crazy like that. You know what I mean? They really haven't. Now, Ryan was on the verge of that, and that would have been a mega fight, a huge fight. But I think this is right up mayweather productions alley you got somebody like that who clearly leaves himself wide open to be hit you know and i've seen him get hurt by lesser punchers like guys who really are not known to be punchers and i've seen him get hurt by those guys so at some point and i think it'll be earlier than later that tank will run on right into one of those lefts and it'll be one of the most devastating knockouts, knockout of the year, knockout, knockout of the decade type of uh, victories for him. And then I'll just add to Tank's, you know, luster and, you know, his aura. You know what I mean? So they'll play that, you know, for years to come. And so I, I, that's the direction that I think that they're steering him. And I think it will really, right now, that would I would favor him to be Tank's next opponent if he had more wins because right now he's 14 and 0 with 12 KOs. I don't know if you can market that right now to the way they want to market it, but potentially if he keeps getting some victories, maybe three or four more, you know, definitely if he was like 20 and old with 18 KOs, they'll feed him the tank. But I think that that's the direction that they're going. Yeah. You called this right down the middle. I thought it was silly when you first said it, him against tank. But it looks like that's what they're building up to 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 go, and you know what? I I, I can even see it happening next. I can see them putting Roly in there and cashing him out. Now, one of the questions is who Mayweather is going to back? I mean, of course, yeah, Tank is his fighter, but you got Roly trained out of Mayweather gym. You know how are they going to market this fight? And the sad thing about them, if they put this fight next, is that if Roly actually worked on a lot of his stuff and had time to do that. He can, he can probably be something and, and cause Tank some problems. But if, he, or, but if he goes in there right now, you know, with the idea like he can knock Tank out, 
I, yeah, you're right. I think it's going to be knockout of the decade. And even if he gets those, you know, more fights and he decides, well, I don't need to learn anything. If he keeps on doing what he's doing and not really trying to improve his craft, the same thing is going to happen when he get, finally gets that tank fight, you know. Because um, even though, even, even while we sometimes we look at tank and say he, he's not, some of his uh, resume is lacking what a fighter of his caliber should be at this, this time. One thing you can say about Tank is, as a power puncher, you know, he's always looking to approve himself in the way he fights, number one. Number two, as a power puncher, he does set up his shots. He don't, even though, you know, he knows he has that, you know, the erasers in his hands, he sets those shots up, which makes it more effective. He really, really does not. He just throws these wide punches, and it's just like, it's coming. And, and even though he's, uh, he's kind of a, a wild fighter, I don't think he's as unorthodox as you say uh, uh, Ricardo Mayorga where he, he can catch a lot of guys off guard he's very you know you can, guys you can catch him right up the middle when, once he's throwing a shot like that so I, I do think uh, Tank Mike is probably going to catch him with the one of them straight left he's probably going to sleep him oh he will probably yeah. be a big fight. <laughs> yeah he will it'll, it'll probably be a big fight you know it'll be a, a great knockout to watch everyone's everyone's going to once for Tank Davis, he'll be the good guy in this fight, which will be interesting if, if they want to go that route just for marketing purposes. But I can see that also. Oh, yeah, Tank. No, I was just going to say, uh, Vail Tank. Nah, you know, I just say Tank sometimes, you know, as far as the fighters that he faced, you know, up to this point, you know, you can kind of already know that he's going to win the fight beforehand and you're kind of questioning what was the rationale behind certain fights. For instance, like the um going down the lane. I know which one is the name. Um Santa Cruz, that's the name. But you kinda already knew Santa Cruz style was just suitable for somebody like Tank. You know what I mean? Like just the volume puncher. It doesn't really hit that hard. Um Tank's coming down with all of that power. You know what I mean? Like that just spelled trouble for Santa Cruz. And then even the Mario Barrio fight you see him jump two weight classes from 130 to 140 to fight somebody who supposedly has the WBC, I want to say it's the interim or whatever belt, but they were making it seem like that was a big deal. He would be the first one to go up there and have all of these belts. But at the same time, we know that Josh Taylor is the undisputed champion. And so you ignore all of that and you say, you know, these type of things. I know it's part of marketing, but at the same time, it's kind of contradicting what Floyd was saying before when he said there's too many belts. He said that's one of the problems with boxing. And so you contribute to the problem by, you know, doing such a thing. But um, and then at the same time with Tank, you would think now I kind of um, in this era. They are geniuses, you know what I mean? Like that's he can learn on the job, you know, as he has all of these, um, you know, followers or viewership and you know people who's patronizing his uh, fights and stuff like that i have no problem with it because i can see that as well where he can learn as he goes and if they people are willing to you know um purchase these events and hold him in such high regard he's lightweight getting up there's some people who are saying you know you got to put tank in the top 10 you know what i mean so if he can get away with this you know Go for it. And I shouldn't even say get away with it. If he can take that approach, then, you know, go for it. But I just, like, sometimes you just question 
Um, but again, it's business, right? So if Raleigh is going to put seats, you know, or butts in them seats, then, you know, maybe that should be a fight that happens next because he can generate the revenue that they're looking for. And Tank is a star. You know, if you don't, whatever it is you think about the skill, you know, you can't deny that he's definitely one of the, you know, biggest stars in boxing, definitely one of the top seven, you know, maybe top five. So it'll be interesting. Um, like I say, Roley, on the other hand, he has some more skill than I gave him credit for. The biggest thing that he has to work on is just was two things, throwing those wide shots, you know what I mean, with everything on it. And, and like I say, he leaves himself so open. Like he's just – if you can just like go right down the middle on him, Again, it don't look like it's going to end well for old Rowley. Um, but we shall see. Anything else on, on, on a potential matchup between him and Tank or wherever else Rowley can go from here? <laughs> no, we, we covered that correctly. All right. So the last topic we got, you know, next week's supposed to be the mega fight between Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. But obviously, uh, Fury quote-unquote, tested positive for COVID, so the fight has been postponed. Um, but we do have a fight out there in the U.K. that's going to take place between Joe Joyce and Carlos Tackham. Um, what do you think the likely outcome of that fight is going to be? Hmm. It's an interesting fight. We got the juggernaut, <laughs> Joyce versus Carlos Tackham. Um, Joyce is 12-0 and 0 with 11 knockouts, 6'6 uh, foot six with an 80-inch reach. Um, he has wins over uh, Bermanx Deverne, Brian uh, Jennings, and that, that win over Daniel Dubois, which is very impressive, you know. And we got Carlos DeCam, um, about 39 and 5, and he got one draw, 28 knockouts, uh, 40 years old. He has a, a losses to who's who in the division. I believe he has a few losses. I, I know he's been stopped a few times, but I think, I, I think his style – in general, uh, could cause Joy Joyce some trouble. I mean, you know, he's six foot five. He uses that jab uh, to take him is about six one, six two. Uh, but take him, I like what he, what he does really well. He bounces off his feet. He moves. He gives a little bit of movement. Um, it's just that I'm just worried about that chin because Joyce is he's shaping up to be a. a uh, you know, he's a brutal puncher, you know, not like he just be knocking guys, you know, out the ring or anything like that. But if, he, if he's going to touch, take him, you know, I, I think he'll probably stop him. But I, I think it's not going to come easy. I think take him is going to give him some movement because even though he's the shorter guy, um, I think he moves a lot. He moves a lot. He's a little jerky, you know. Uh, he keeps his hands up. It is that that jab for, for, for Joyce, I think that's what's going to open him up to, you know, land one on the right hands. One thing about Joyce that I think is going to – that, that, that I'm, I'm still worried about is, uh, is that Joyce's speed. I mean, he's very, very slow, you know, and, I, and I'm like, I don't, I don't understand why a lot of fighters don't really take advantage of that totally, but he's very, very slow. Even though he has a good jab and, you know, he throws that right hand behind it plenty of times, he fights tall, you know, so it's hard to get to him that, you know, all someone has to do is have above average defense and come right through the middle and get them, you know, and they don't do that. So um, that said, uh, I, when I look at how the styles of, uh, of how they fight, uh, Joyce is going to catch him and put 
Yeah, I think that this is a good um, kind of stay busy fight for Joe Joyce. But at his age, you know, even though he doesn't have that many fights under his belt, um, he doesn't need to be taking too many stay busy fights. He needs to get in there with those guys like a Usyk or the guys that he's gunning for because he, he is getting up there. Um, and Carlos Tackham, he keeps saying that, you know, Joyce has never faced anyone like me. You know what I mean? I'm going to cause him some trouble because he's never faced somebody like me. And rarely will heavyweights face somebody who moves as much, who has so much head movement as Carlos Tackham. So he is right, you know, in that regard. But, you know, you look at his, his uh, resume, he has um, he has five losses, three of them by KO. And he's he's getting long in the tube. He's 40 years old, you know. The last time I saw him fight, a whole fight was against Derek Chisora. Or, yeah, Derek Chisora, because I think he fought uh, Anthony Joshua prior to that. And in both fights, I thought that in the Joshua fight, I thought he was doing well, and I thought that the, the um, it was a questionable stoppage. So he fights well against tall guys. And Derek Chisora, I thought he was winning the fight until he got clipped. But that was a devastating knockout that he, he took against Derek Chisora. Um, back in 2008 and Reese, you know, since then he's had four victories, you know, over some guys. So maybe all of that psychologically, you know, being knocked out in such a devastating fashion, maybe that maybe out of the way, but I'm just not so sure how much he still has left at this age. I just think at some point Joyce is going to catch him, you know, with one of those right hands. He does a good job as slow as he is, you know, sometimes he uses that, necessarily to his advantage but he'll throw some shots out there and it'll be like a little slow you know methodical stuff but he's just trying to gauge um like the spacing between him and his opponent in terms of how he can get off some of those big shots that he wants to land and like i said i just think at some point he'll he'll land something significant and you know that'll be all she wrote but you know we'll see i'm looking forward to it because i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing more joe joyce i didn't give him as much credit as he deserved when he fought against um, David Dubois. And so, I mean, Daniel Dubois, and he surprised me. You know, he kept that jab on Dubois. You know, he kept the jab, eventually got the stop. You know, the fact that he swole up Dubois eyes so bad, you know, and he showed, you know, the difference between him and, you know, the caliber fighter that he is and Daniel Dubois. Daniel Dubois is a pretty good fighter. So I expect more of the same in this fight. Um, but we shall see. Anything else you got before we wrap things up? Uh, no, sir. All right, so we're going to end things on that note. Our boy Danny, he'll be back with us next week. Um, hopefully you enjoyed the episode. We'll catch you next Monday. Peace. Peace.